All right. Well, hello, hello everybody. This is Andrew Hunziker with Dope CFO, um, co-founder with Naomi Granger. We, um, I have over 20 years experience as CPA and CFO and been in cannabis industry, I think about six now. Um, let me let Naomi introduce yourself. Hey, it's Naomi, and um, I've got about 12 years of a cannabis accounting, or 12 years of accounting experience, two years in cannabis accounting, and I'm co-founder of Dope CFO with Andrew Hunzinger. And then today we've got our special guest, Summer Wilkinson. She's the co-founder of Leapbook CFO Services. It's a tax and advisory firm that services the cannabis industry. Um, she, again, has many years as a CPA and serving many niches, um, over 18 years providing tax and accounting services. Um, about two years ago, Summer made the leap to the cannabis industry and has not looked back and really doing a great job and really in, in kind of one of the, the backward states, Texas, which is behind. Is <laughs> Very backward. Great, great example. So, um, Summer, do you want to say hi and, and add anything to that as well? Um, hi. And uh, thanks for having me today. I really appreciate it. And I'm um, looking forward to talking about the differences between CBD, THC, and what's happening in the industry today. All right. Well, great. Well, Naomi, why don't you get started? And, and we'll, we'll, that is the topic today, kind of CBD versus THC. Um, and maybe I'll, for those of you who don't know, I'll frame it right off the bat. Um, if you saw two plants side by side, <laughs> hemp and marijuana, they will look identical. And the only difference in the hemp plant, it has to have less than 0.3% THC. That's kind of the definition of hemp. So a hemp and a cannabis plant have many chemicals in them, one of which is THC in both of them. It's just minute amounts in the hemp plant. So basically it won't get you high. So that said, I'll let Naomi take over. Okay, awesome. So first, let's just talk about what's going on. So unless you've been hiding under a rock the last several years, the last several years, you'll be you'll notice that cannabis is one of the fastest growing industries in the world. Unfortunately, CEOs are getting into serious trouble because they aren't following the rules. So either they don't know them, or they try to bend them and, and be cute around the rules, or they don't think that they'll get caught. But cannabis is highly regulated. We're seeing audits, uh, we're seeing almost it's almost given that if you're bringing in millions of dollars, the IRS is going to be looking into you as, as, as well as the state regulatory agencies. So it's important to know how to properly navigate the rules so that you don't get into any trouble. Okay, and today we're going to specifically discuss the difference between CBD and THC. Um, as many of you are aware, hemp was um, taken off Schedule 1, I believe it was April or May of this year. Um, it's, it's governed by the USDA, so it's not a controlled substance, meaning it's not subject to 280E like cannabis is, so that's mm -hmm. big and good news for cannabis or hemp and CBD. It's also legal in federally nationwide, but 46 states actually have approved their own hemp laws and regulations as well. Um, Note, this is simply information that we're giving you. There's always special circumstances. So before you make any decisions around CBD or hemp, make sure to consult an expert um, about your own tax and accounting situation and or legal as well. Um, so I'm going to welcome you and, and why don't you get, jump in with your kind of main points when you, about differences. 
Sure. Well, um, like we talked about, I, I mean, there's several differences that I jotted down here in my notes to talk about today. And um, as you mentioned, now CBD hemp is legal under the 2018 Farm Bill, while as marijuana, anything containing more than 0.3% of THC is still illegal and subject to, under the federal. It's legal either medicinally or recreationally in 33 states. Um, CBD hemp is not subject to 280E anymore. The THC side of things still is. Um, there's differences now, in it. Uh-huh. Can I just jump in right there? And for people who don't know, what is, so what does that mean, 280E? Does that mean what, what can a, a hemp company deduct versus a cannabis company not being able to deduct? Right. Well, generally, only a cannabis company can deduct their cost of goods sold. Whereas now hemp operates just like a regular business where they can deduct their cost of goods sold, all of their operating general and administrative and selling expenses. Okay, that's great background. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and do you, um, so why don't we talk about, so, so 280E, for those of you who don't know, is one sentence long and it basically says mm -hmm. if you sell a Schedule One drug, you can't deduct anything or take any credits. Um, you still get cost to get sold because that's part of the definition of taxable income. Um, but then if we jump over to CBD, like you just said, there's many other tax codes available. So do you want to kind of cover some of those, those different tax codes? Mm -hmm. 471, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, I was um, thinking about that today in preparation for this. Um, I think one of the primary things is under 280E, you're not allowed to use uh, the UNICAP rules under section 263A, where you can put more indirect costs to cost of goods sold and, uh, and take more for a tax deduction on cost of goods sold. That's not allowed under 280E. You're not allowed to take those 263A costs. Um, so that, that's one, I think, a big difference that's going to really open up um, things. And then also, another difference is under 280E, you're not allowed to take your bonus depreciation for taxes or your Section 179, which would allow you to depreciate in the year of purchase uh, the cost of your equipment. There are some limitations as to amounts and things like that. And that's massive because, and I'm already, my brain is spinning with opportunity. So if you, when you think about farming or processing, or food production, massive amounts of equipment and real estate and buildings are needed. And if you can get all that extra depreciation, it can be huge. And I can, many hemp growers or cannabis growers, I think are gonna start adding hemp into their farms so they can somehow allocate some of those deductions. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. But this- Yeah, will, it will be. Cannabis companies. Yeah, but you're right. I mean, those big old combines and things that they use to plant and to harvest um, yeah. you know, hemp, especially outdoors, because I think hemp is grown mostly outdoors, whereas cannabis, I, for all my research, they do better indoors, growing that indoors. So there's a lot of, I think, opportunity costs, at least um, tax advantages to making that kind of investment in that equipment for hemp. Yeah. And, and like so, you said, that processing, the processing, both are processed and um, 
that equipment is very expensive as well. Yeah, very expensive. And and then you get if the CEO and I know already people in Oregon that are doing this that have cannabis farms, they add in a CBD if they can get a hemp farm as well, then mm -hmm. all of a sudden they've got a new source of revenue that's on cannabis, plus they can um, allocate some of those costs like overhead over to the non-cannabis hemp division. Right. So they see it as a big opportunity. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it would be definitely. Um, another dis uh, difference or distinctiveness between THC and hemp CBD is that under the, the hemp, you're going to have your tax credits available. Uh, things like the R&D tax credit, research and development. Um, you know, say you work on a, you develop a strain of, of cannabis that's, hemp, that's lower than 0.3 THC that is uh, super resilient to insects or to um, drought or something like that. There's tax credits out there that you can take for developing these things, or say you come up with a new growing method, um, something yeah. like that. So there's lots of opportunities to develop, make developments and advances in growing hemp or processing, even processing hemp or the, you know, maybe it's a new, I don't know, a nutraceutical or something, PD yeah. in it that, <laughs> that you're researching cool. and developing. So there's, I think there's lots of yeah. opportunities there where under 280E, you're not allowed to take those credits. You know, another, and maybe since Summer's from Texas, and we all know that's one of the biggest farming states in the country, and it's humongous, huge population. You know, can, Texas has been very anti-cannabis so far. They have very limited medical application, almost no companies. But with hemp CBD coming in, is mm -hmm. what kind of opportunity is this making in a, you're seeing in a non-cannabis state? Or are you seeing lots of activity in hemp and CBD? I'm seeing a lot of activity. Of course, I'm active in a lot of the, uh, the, the cannabis groups around here, which we do have several uh, activist groups. And now the, you know, the, the farming groups, the CBD groups, the, the business groups. We have a uh, Texas Cannabis Business Alliance um, that's up and running. Um, so I've been attending a lot of hemp CBD functions in that arena. And uh, there's a lot of interest. Like you said, Texas is a huge state with a large population. We've got a lot of land. And uh, especially in West Texas and South Texas, where they do a lot of farming, uh, I think a lot of, there's a lot of interest in growing hemp in those areas. And yeah. they're all distinctively different air areas as far as, you know, the humidity or are they dry, things like that. So. And even the, we haven't talked about, but just with hemp versus um, cannabis, there's just so many uses of the plants. I mean, you can make clothes or cement or it's not only the medicine of CBD. So there's many uses and I, I think the um, crop will be valuable. Um, what if we transition real quickly into court cases? One thing I've noticed, so especially IRS cases coming in to look at, at cannabis companies, you know, when Colorado was first legalized, they let them operate a couple of years and they come in and audit it a couple of years later and then they go through the courts. And so we're just seeing the results of cases that go back to 2008 or 2010 right, yeah. right now in cannabis. So when you think about uh, if you're a founder of a CBD or hemp company, you need to be thinking about, okay, they're going to get to you. The IRS will, because this is you, these are big businesses, big dollars. 
but it might be a couple of years. You don't want to have happen to you what happened to say the Altermans, for example. You want to think ahead and think, you know, I want to I want to minimize my tax, but I don't want to be so aggressive that when the IRS comes, I, I lose a huge case because some attorneys advise me to play all kinds of games. So you want to comment on that, on what what kind of strategies are available or, or how they should plan? Yeah, well, I think like, I mean, a lot of this, they have commonalities with any business out there. I think if you're starting a business, number one, you need to get an attorney that is well-versed and not in all of this um, playing games, (laughs) you know, setting up a management company over here to do the, you know, to do this for your cannabis company over there. Uh, And I think they need to get a a CPA or tax advisor that's well-versed and that hopefully will work with the attorney. A lot of times attorneys and CPAs, I don't know why, they don't reach out and work work together, but they really should. I know I've yeah. getting into this industry. I've I've, I've made some uh, relationships with a couple of attorneys, and it really works out well for the client. I mean, you know, the ultimate goal is to do the right thing about the yeah, client to help them, right? And, to help them. And that said, we've talked about CBD being legal, but I think there's a lot of misconception in the public. It's like, oh, CBD is legal. It's like um. I'm going to make a ladder and sell ladders. I can do whatever I want. CBD is still highly regulated. Do you want to talk yeah. about who's regulating and CBD hemp? Well, we've got who? The FDA, FDA that's going to get involved in regulating that. We've got the USDA that is going to be regulating. Then you've got your state agriculture agriculture commissions that are going to be regulating. Um, so there's tons of regulations that are going to apply to the industry. And I kind of think of it like the, the big pharma industry or the alcohol industry, yeah. you know, heavy regulate, heavily regulated industries. And when you're audited by these um, people, these regulators, you know, they're not only going to want to see, they're going to want to see your financial information along with your compliance information, how you're complying to their rules and all of that. So you need to have processes and procedures in uh, all ready to go that you're following, that you're training your employees in, uh, accounting procedures, this is how we're going to do this, you know, the accounting every month, these are the reports you're getting, uh, everything just needs to be ticked and tied out on for every item on your financials. And really, yeah, how you're, um, that's a great point, all these different agencies and having someone who's monitoring compliance with all these different groups and even the counties. I know when I worked out on the farm um, a few years back, they <laughs> just dealing with the county can be a huge headache. And so you're, you're dealing with all these agencies and, and maybe you don't have your lux from the county yet and you're just stuck. You can't do the, what you need to do to bring in electrical power. And so I know one issue with with cannabis farms is bringing in massive amounts of power, getting it out to these ur- or rural areas rural. Mm-hmm. because they're um, you know, needing massive amount of lighting and, and way more power than a normal farm would have. So um, you get, you're just dealing with, yes, the state and the county, but then you got OSHA, FDA, USDA, I mean, even the EPA tells you what pesticides you can do. So you don't want to get any of those agencies can shut you down too. So it's like, it's just, you got to have all your, your ducks in a row if you're, mm-hmm. you're going to be going into this industry. Right. And even a small operation is a huge investment. So 
That's a good point. You know, yeah, You don't want to lose that investment. <laughs> yeah, there's no such thing as a small farm. And really, it doesn't matter if it's indoor or outdoor. Indoor can be every bit as expensive. Um, we've seen clients, we have clients both, indoor and outdoor, they're spending millions of dollars. It's just not cheap to build, right. build out a farm. Um, same on the dispensary side or processing. Again, that equipment is very expensive. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we that's our first advice to any CEO or investor, you better make sure your company's well capitalized because um, it, it takes huge investment and you don't want to lose it. Like you right. said, that's a great point. Yeah. And that's where we can come in too and uh, providing business plans and things like that for them. Um, and helping performers and things like that. So they can get their numbers together for, to be well capitalized and get their investors. Well, that's a great transition. Naomi, do you want to take over? We'll talk more about kind of your business and how you've transitioned over the last year and a half. Yeah. Awesome. So summer, we know you started with us a, a little over a year and a half ago and you had an existing business and you were servicing an, another, other niches. And so just tell us a little bit about how did you transition into the cannabis industry and about the, when you landed your first clients, I remember the post and emails going out and proposals going out and being nervous. And then finally, yay, I got one. Yeah. So like, <laughs> yeah, finally. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thanks to the program, you know, I got, I had some good, uh, education behind cannabis, you know, accounting for cannabis and, uh, doing the taxes. And then, um, I told, you guys the other day kind of gave you my background since it's been almost two years since I joined the program that, you know, I, I was running, I was a, a managing partner at a, at a firm, um, but was wanting to leave that. My partner wasn't so great and <laughs> I was having some problems there. <laughs> um, and just, just trying, like you said, we served everybody, you know, we, we niched, in, in almost everything, it's just, it's, it's impossible to do that and be a subject matter expert and serve that client well. And I had been reading over the past few years about you need to find a niche and I couldn't find, you know, I didn't find one that I really wanted to work, work with uh, until I, I found your program and joined that. And then it did take me a few months. I joined in January, I think, which was right as tax season was beginning. So um, I didn't even know I was the first student you had <laughs> until several months later, but it's like kind of by the time I got my head up from tax season, you guys had this program rolling. There was the Facebook community. So I never really ever even, you know, felt alone. You guys answered my, any questions I had. Um, so yeah, by the time April was over and I was really ready to, to focus on this a little bit more, it was it was a really good opportunity. Um, I, like you said, I'm in, I'm in Texas. I'm in North Texas, so I'm really close to Oklahoma. Uh, so about that time, Oklahoma did uh, their vote and made medical cannabis legal. So I just took every opportunity to attend anything I could in Oklahoma and just get my name out there. And um, I kind of, you know, I know in your program, you really encourage us to reach out to uh, CEOs via LinkedIn or any any way we can find, um, but I just, I have found that the best way is to, to become a subject matter expert in the area, attend events, talk to people, network, I volunteer to speak um, anywhere possible, you know, um, that I can reasonably drive, drive to, <laughs> um, that kind of thing. And then, 
with hemp opening up in Texas, I've had all sorts of opportunities because, because I've been involved in several groups from the ground up to again, go out, network, meet CEOs. Um, and that's, I believe that's, you know, it takes months to develop, kind of develop these relationships and get your name out there. Um, but I was going to say something. Yeah, that's a huge part. And we start that on day one because it is so huge. And we call that VIP valuable expert instructor participant. You've done that amazingly well. And it, it's, it's the key secret sauce for the long-term huge success. And mm -hmm. it's, it's something, yeah, that um, we love seeing you active and others um, in that space. Yeah, and it's been a lot of fun. I really didn't even know how to network yeah. <laughs> until I started, you know, I'm like, how do you, you need, how do you network? I don't even know how to do that until I started going out and doing this and just meeting well, people. And I think being passionate about the niche, it, it makes it so much easier to talk. Yeah, to when people. you, when you think of old school networking and where, you know, when I used to be a CEO, it's like, oh, you go to have coffee with a lawyer or you go to a networking event. This is totally different. Mm -hmm. You don't call it networking. You say you're going to get involved in this niche, in this industry. You're going to go to niche events and meet others and work with others. And, and all of a sudden you're not networking. You're just active in the industry and an expert. And um, yeah, like you say, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. And, and just totally different. You know, I never got excited about going to have coffee with an attorney. <laughs> <laughs> Or, business cards, yeah. <laughs> right. Or calling up your, you know, or meeting, you know, trying to get into the medical uh, industry or anything like that. So it's, this is definitely, I don't know, I guess I just kind of hit my, <laughs> hit my pa passion. Didn't even know it was going to be a passion until I got involved. Awesome. Well, tell us a little bit about what you're involved because you're in a state that it's still not legal mm -hmm. and a lot of people have concerns. Well, it's not legal in my state. I can't in get involved. So tell us a little bit about what you are doing in the state of Texas to, to stay current and stay involved. All right. Well, if you, if you look around in your state, if you're in a state where cannabis is not legal <laughs> at any point <laughs> at all, kind of look around your state, do some, I just started doing some Facebook searches, you know, which I mean, marijuana is not promoted on Facebook. I also started doing some web searches and I found, um, the, um, what is it, marijuana for, I can't remember, responsible, I just spoke at the marijuana policy conference, which was sponsored by the, these people, um, but it's, they're the lobbyists in Texas that are lobbying for the legalization of marijuana, um, and they've been around for only a couple of years, probably, I mean, probably about the time I was, you know, getting interested in the industry, they, they were starting, but, um, so I've, I've gotten involved with them. I've also gotten involved with, I've joined our Texas Cannabis Industry Association. So I would say, do some Google searches. Um, and I'm originally from Alabama, even though I've been in Texas like 29 years now. Um, so I kind of keep an eye on Alabama as well. I've got family there and everything. So uh, they, Republicans Against Marijuana Prohibition has a Facebook page um, and they're really good about keeping you apprised of what's going on in Alabama and um, how they're voting and Alabama uh, their legislature this year passed a some legislation to research how to start a cannabis program in Alabama so that was one a good point you brought up summer is that 
whether it's a cannabis state or not, there's more than likely activist and lobbyist groups to get involved in. Mm -hmm. And it's just, it's huge because most of the people in these lobbyist groups that are pushing the whole movement forward nationwide are future CEOs and investors. Those right. are the people who want this to be legal. And um, it's not right. just random people. And normals, normals in every state. Yeah, normal. I mean, <laughs> you could join your local normal chapter and um, meet tons of them. Yeah, yeah, meet tons of people. Yeah, and yes. some of these events are just a little bit funner than other events too. That's so. um, what, what uh, Summer's referring to is n o r m l dot org. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. There's also the National uh, Cannabis Indi Industry Association, and they have events in different states throughout the year, if you wanted to keep an eye, and you don't have to be a member to attend those events. Um, I just yeah. recently became a member. <laughs> so. there's, oh, and even um, there's different um, demographic groups. So there's tons of, for example, women's cannabis groups, Women Grow or Elements. Women Grow, yeah. Um, with them being legal too, I, I should mention, um, I met a guy the other, well, I met him actually in April uh, with the Alabama Hemp Growers Association. He's been making the rounds he, in every state. He said he'd just been in Oregon when I met him and he was in uh, Texas at, at an event we were at wow. uh, just to get educated. So reach out also to, if you know, Google hemp, Google CBD, Google, you know, see if you can find these associate your mm -hmm. local associations to join. Start one. If you can't find anything, start one. Yeah, that's a great idea. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah awesome so it so summer is one of the members of our program as she mentioned earlier she's one of the first members that joined back in january of 2018 and so i just want to tell a little bit about the program we have a plug and play program that gets you into the industry you're ready to work with clients on day one of joining the program you have all the work papers and the resources that you started immediately if you would like about the program you can text dope cfo that's all caps no spaces d-o-p-e c-f-o text that to three four five three four five it's dope cfo to three four five three four five we'll send you a 10 minute video with more information a link to book a call with us and we'll also send you a free cheat sheet to find new clients in this space. So if you just wanna get the cheat sheet to find your first client, go ahead and text group CFO to 345, 345. Um, there's lots of opportunities. So if you're ready to grab your shovel, let's go. So thank you so much, Summer, for your time. Thank Sorry you. about the puppies. <laughs> you <don't> have kids. <laughs> yeah, thank you so much. This is Button, <laughs> who everyone has seen. <laughs> Cute. Yes, thank you everybody for listening. Yeah, um, thank you. you can go to dopecfo.com. We're on Twitter, we're on Facebook, we're on Instagram, we're on YouTube. Um, so you can check us out, go into our Facebook group. We have live discussions in there. We actually have one Andrew needs to jump on in a few minutes. Um, so it's full of yeah. experts within the space. Summer, myself, Andrew, we can all answer your questions. So join okay. us, just look for Dope CFO on social media.